So much of modern motherhood is spent wishing we were doing better, whether we're comparing ourselves to other moms or to the ideal mom we assumed we'd be before we had kids. But this wishing takes us further and further away from joy, and it stops us from being the mom we want to be. I'm Rebecca Brownwright, and I'm here to help you focus on connection, because connecting more deeply with yourself and with your kids will help you forget about mom comparisons. Connection will help you resolve behavior issues with your kids, and connection will help you live a life full of real joy, because that's what you and your kids deserve. Pause and connect with me for a moment to listen to discussions about connection and motherhood, finding your purpose, smashing cultural narratives, and so much more. This is Pause and Connect. Hello, and welcome to Pause and Connect. I'm Rebecca Brownwright, and this is episode 17 called You Should Use Hugs in Your Discipline. Here's how. But first, I want to say that I got a cute little badge emailed to me from my podcast host because I reached a thousand downloads. Hooray! <laughs> now, I know this is such a tiny number in comparison to pretty much everything, but it's my first big milestone on this podcast. So thank you for being here. Now, I wrote this down, I recorded this, uh, or I, I added this to my victory log list. And I just really quick want to tell you about victory logs because I think they're fantastic. And I really hope that you'll actually go start one immediately if you don't already have something like this. So a victory log is a place where you write down your successes, both big and small. And then you look at it periodically to remind yourself of what you've already done because you've already done so much. So you can go back as far as you want. When I began mine, I was a few years into my career, um, and so I went back to my first paid writing job that I had ever had, and um, I wrote that as my first thing, and that was a, a really small job. I was a newspaper reporter for a local newspaper. I was making $9 an hour. It was such a measly amount, but I was a paid writer. Someone was paying for my writing, which is what I wanted to do, so as my career has gone on, I've written down every milestone. And it's so crazy when I look back because I can actually forget the amazing things that I've done. Like I've been published in magazines and a book and I forgot, but it's in my victory log. So I can, I can see that when I go back, it's really crazy that you can forget these things and you can get to this place where you feel like I don't do anything. I'm not that great. I haven't done anything remarkable, but then you go back and you're like, wait, no, I did this thing. This was fantastic. <laughs> and then I also for mine, I'll write down the steps along the way. So like if I get a job interview for a job that I want, I'm going to write down that I got the interview. I got to the interview stage, even if I haven't gotten the job yet, because that that's a good milestone. Just like, oh, they liked me enough to want to talk to me. And then if I get the job, of course, I would write that down as well. So for this podcast, I wrote down that I started this podcast because it took a lot to do it. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. And I'm proud that I did it. And then and then I wrote down that a thousand, I, I reached a thousand downloads and I feel like that's pretty incredible right now. And one day I hope I'll have millions of downloads. That'd be fantastic. And it's more, a thousand is more than I had when I didn't have a podcast. So seeing that written down is really motivating. And in a year, when I look back, I'm going to, I'm going to look back and see, oh yeah, a thousand was a big deal then, but look what I have now. So you see, it's like, it's like really, really good. I wrote down that I made my courses that I sell here. I wrote down the first time I sold a course to a stranger. That was a really big deal. The first time I sold my back and forth journal to a stranger. That Those are really, really big deals. So anyway, start a victory log. You can write your career milestones, family milestones, health milestones, really whatever is important to you. And then a bonus is that they're really helpful for resume writing if you're using it for your career milestones. 
Um, okay, so anyway, that was a total sidestep, but a really good one. And I hope you follow through and make your own victory log. Or if you already have something like that, go back and read it and add to it because it's so encouraging. Okay, so let's get into the topic today, which is that you should use hugs in your discipline liberally. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about how to do this. Before I start, I have to say that I once wrote an article on this for a major parenting magazine. And there was this little group of moms who tagged each other in the comments of the of the Facebook post of the article. And they were using eye roll emojis with abandon. <laughs> and they were sharing such sarcastic comments. And I was like, what? How, how are people ripping me apart? Now, I've, I've been writing for years and years and years, and I'm not a stranger to people misinterpreting me or not liking what I write. Like, that just happens when you're a content creator, and it, it's really not fun. But, uh, like, I'm not a stranger. So I, 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 I wasn't like, oh, how dare they say something? But I really, I really thought it was a, a fair article, and so I was like, what, what are they so upset about? Why so many eye roll emojis? And then as I read their comments... I realized that they were all raising children with really severe sensory issues. So, of course, hugs weren't going to work for them. And when they were reading this article about about using hugs in your discipline, um, that was too much for them. And so they had to share eye rolls about it. So whenever I talk about hugs and discipline, I always include the disclaimer that you have to do what's right for your child and for their own physical comforts. And I did include that disclaimer in the article that I wrote for that parenting magazine, but those moms were still hurt enough that they had to try and hurt someone else, me this time, because I was a faceless person to them. So basically what I'm saying, if your child isn't going to respond to hugs because they have sensory issues, then skip this episode and come back when I'm not talking about hugs. It's okay. <laughs> I'm really sorry those moms were hurting so badly, and it, it, it really must have been frustrating to hear advice that is so outside the scope of what they could do. And I don't want to put anybody in a position where they're going to just feel terrible. So if, this, if you have a child who cannot stand hugs, skip this episode. But if you have a kid who, who doesn't have sensory issues... This episode is for you, okay? So before hugs, I want to tell you about the time before hugs in my house. In my house, So maybe this is the time of BH, before hugs, I don't know. But I used to discipline with a lot of anger, a lot of attempts to control behavior. I was very, very much trying to control behavior with a lot of punishment. Um, and it, it, of course, didn't work. And that's what this whole podcast and my whole business is about. It's about transitioning from that place of trying to control your child and instead trying to connect with your child and that place of using punishments and instead using connection to help your child thrive and grow. So that's that's what I'm all about because I've done the journey and it's so much better on this side, I, I promise you. So in BH, before hugs, <laughs> there was a time when one of my kids couldn't get ready in the mornings. So they were about seven years old and they were just too distracted. They have ADHD and they were emotionally overwhelmed, and so they couldn't make transitions smoothly. So going from breakfast to brushing teeth was, like, impossible for them. Now, I didn't understand this at the time. Um, there were ways to make it not impossible, but I didn't get what was going on. And so because of that, and because I was a parent who tried to control, I punished and I yelled to try and get this kid to move faster. And it worked sometimes, but mostly it didn't. This child ended up walking to the bus stop in tears multiple times a week 
because we just fought every single morning and it wasn't good. I didn't like it, but I didn't know what else to do. Then I learned about hugs. So we had a play therapist who suggested that I hug and hold my child when they were melting down or when they were being defiant. So I thought my therapist was crazy um, because hugging my child when she's screaming at me, how, how is that even possible? But the therapist had been right about everything else she told me, so I gave it a try. So I began starting with a hug before yelling, before chastising, before punishing, before trying to talk to my child, before trying to reason with them, I started with a hug. And like magic, I'm telling you, magic, probably 80% of our discipline problems melted away. In fact, there was one time when this same child was getting ready in the morning and asked me to show, asked to show me a magic trick. And they were so happy and excited, big smile on their face, but we were running short on time. So I had to say, sure, you can show me a magic trick if there's time after you finish getting ready for school. And so predictably, this child who struggled with mornings did a complete 180. That smile disappeared so fast. Their body tensed, their eyes squeezed shut. They started to whimper and moan. And then the sound was building and building to where they were starting to, to yell. And, you know, you know, it, they, it was it was becoming very, very bad and very quickly. And. I had learned about hugs by this time though. So I quickly wrapped my child in a big bear hug and you know what happened? Their body relaxed. So I stayed there for a minute and then when I, I felt like they had stopped breathing heavily and they were a little bit calmer, I put my hand on their cheek, kept it there, I bent down and I was eye level and I said, I can't wait to see your magic trick. If we do it now though, we might run out of time before before you need to catch the bus. So you still need to brush your teeth and get your shoes on. And then we can see if we have time. So this same sentence that was delivered before or without the hug, it would have caused an eruption. And I know it because it had already almost started and I'd had enough mornings where this had just destroyed the morning, this type of, this type of telling my child, no, you can't do this thing you want to do. But instead this time, because I, I went straight to that hug, This child started going upstairs with their head hanging down. They were not happy with me. They were disappointed, but they weren't melting down. And that was huge. And here's the miracle part. By the time they were to the top of the stairs, they were skipping. All the disappointment was gone from the bottom of the stairs to the top of the stairs. They did not go to school with a tear streaked face that morning. Isn't that wonderful? As I described to you how bad it had been before, this time that didn't happen. Even though it was the same type of situation that had happened pre-hug in BH, (laughs) before hug times, that the same situation happened, but the hug made it so they were able to feel disappointed and process that disappointment from the bottom of the steps to the top of the steps because of a hug. So now, the very first step in my discipline or in my comfort of my children is always a hug. And what I've since learned is that when your child is upset, they aren't using logic. In fact, they can't. Their brains are flooded with emotions. So yelling at them won't help them access logic. Logically explaining the situation to them, like maybe telling my child that they could show me the magic trick after they were ready, is not going to work because they're already so disappointed and emotional about what they can't have. So hugging them instead 
is going to help them calm down emotionally. And then the logic can enter into the situation when you try to do the problem solving. Because when they're upset, they are not regulated. And then there's this beautiful thing called co-regulation, where you can share your calm with your child. They can feel it from you and use it for themselves. Now, if you're not used to responding in this way with a hug during the meltdown or during the defiance, it might sound like this is spoiling behavior, like you're rewarding their defiance. But it's not, I promise you. Because what's our goal as parents? Is our goal to make our kids behave by feeling bad? (laughs) Or is it to teach our child skills and self-regulation? It's the latter. (laughs) You know, it's the latter. Our goal is to teach our child skills. It's to teach them to be able to handle their emotions. It's to be with them while they're handling those emotions so that they can then handle them on their own. Hugging is the first step in helping your child regulate their emotions. And that's a skill you're teaching. It's going to help them handle disappointment better and quicker in all areas of their life. Hugging helps your child to feel safe. And when your child feels safe and loved, they can move on to the next step. They don't have to stay in that place of emotional flooding. If they don't feel those feelings, they might stop their bad behavior out of fear. You know, if you don't give them the hug and the love and you yell instead, and I say you, but I'm talking about me too. I I did this. I, I still sometimes do this. And they might stop their bad behavior. They might stop screaming. They might stop ripping up whatever they're ripping up or or whatever they're doing, they might stop it because they're afraid of you or they might keep fighting and disobeying. And that's what one of my kids would always do. They they would never stop. Even when I was yelling, they just kept fighting and, and disobeying. Either result is not ideal, right? But if your child gets that hug, then they get that regulation and then they get a brain that is primed to learn skills. So how to do this in a, in an effective way. Well, timing is pretty crucial and you'll need to figure out the right timing for your own child. But the universal element of timing when you're using hugs in your discipline is to get the hug in before you are upset. Because if you're upset, you're not going to want a hug. And that's, that's like a rule of the universe. <laughs> if, when, we're, when we're upset at our kids, we don't want to hug them. And that's, that's fine. That's the way things are. And I know from my experience that when, when I, if I, if I wait too long and I go and give them a hug when I'm mad or when I'm resentful, like I might be rougher than I, than I wanted to be. I'm not, I'm not saying abusive, but I, but I might like hug them and just kind of grab at them instead of like going over gently. And, and, and that's not good. I might say something aggressively to them. I might resent the idea of hugging my child and my child can feel it, you know? So you have to get the hug in before you lose your cool. So when I began doing this, I would actually rush to give a hug. It was like this siren, like, oh, kid is upset and I am running across the room to wrap them in a hug. Now that's what I personally needed to figure out how to do this and make this transition to be a, a mom who uses hugging in my discipline. Because I knew my own emotions would not have responded with kindness if I gave those emotions the time to sit and fester. Now that's a weakness of mine. I can feel really resentful when I'm inconvenienced. So I knew if I was going to hug, I had to rush. If you're the same, then hey, we're in good company because I'm sure you're an incredible person and I'm pretty okay too. So if it helps you, if you're that type of person, then rush. Now, 
I personally no longer have to rush, although I still do sometimes depending on what they're upset about or what what's happening. But I don't get triggered the way I used to. And the reason why is because of all this hugging. The hugging reduced the problems significantly, which reduced my frustration, which allows me to be able to handle the the meltdowns that are now fewer and farther between. And that's fantastic. It's, it's, it's this beautiful snowball effect. S- seriously, like this, this action, along with what I teach in my course called How to Stop Yelling, has made it so that my kids don't even really act out all that often anymore. Now, I mean, of course, they still act out and they're growing out of some of their toddler behaviors. Of course, they're, they're older than that. But even still, when I had a toddler and I was using this, this uh, hugging and the things that I teach in my course, my children stopped acting out as much. It was a beautiful side effect. I was doing this to make sure that I was behaving better and not yelling and, and being a, a calmer parent. But th- this beautiful thing happened and that my children just didn't act out that often anymore. And so we were working better together because there just wasn't as much to deal with. And so, like I say, of course my kids still act out and we're, we're, having, we're having issues every day, but it's not like every 15 minutes anymore. So anyway, back to timing. Figure out the best timing for your child's hug, okay? And try to hug them before they're so worked up that they can't accept a hug because they, they might get worked up too and, and not want a hug. Just like if you wait too long, you won't be able to, to give them a hug. Make it a game if you have to, like, oh, how quickly can I get to my child? And if you don't time it right and the window closes, that's okay. Okay, we can't be perfect every time. The window will open again, probably within that same meltdown. And you can watch for that moment when you can go back in and give a hug. And if if even in this meltdown, you just absolutely can't do it, it's okay. Try next time. Now, the next thing is to just hug and don't teach don't preach, don't moralize, just hug. Remember, the idea is to help your child regulate their emotions, to help the two of you connect, to get on the same page, to feel love for each other. And you know what doesn't help people feel love for each other? Being criticized. So this is a time to keep your words only to words of love. Like, I'm sorry you're sad and I love you. Something along those lines is all you can say during this time as you're hugging your child. Save your lessons for later and just hug. Now, remember, this is the first step. There's a lot more that you're going to do to resolve whatever caused this meltdown or whatever defiance your child has done or or whatever, whatever way they've acted out. You will resolve that. But right now, the very first step is just this hug. So no, no words, no criticism, no consequences. It's just the hug. You are there to calm each other down. And mostly you calm your child down, of course. Now, the beautiful thing in this is that you'll find often that you, you don't even have to teach a lesson or give a lecture if you do the hug, because sometimes the hug is enough. Sometimes the hug calms your child just enough to know how to solve their behavior on their own. Sometimes, (laughs) not always, but sometimes that hug is all you need. You might be surprised at how cooperative, sorry, that word is hard to say, cooperative your child can be when they feel that connection. They, they can, they can sometimes make the, the, the connection in their brain of 
what was wrong and what they need to do to fix it without you telling them anything just by that connection you gave them with the hug. Now the next thing is to stay in that hug. Don't rush through it to get to the lecture. <laughs> just stay in it and notice what's happening. This is so this is this is so cool. I'm still amazed at this. I've been doing this for several years and I am still amazed at how my children's shoulders drop when I give them that hug. They they are so tense before the hug comes. They're so tense. They're holding so much frustration and anger in their body and it's making their body just completely tense up and when I give them that hug, they their shoulders drop. They they start breathing slower. My, their breathing matches my breathing. They'll they feel less anxious. I feel less anxious. So stay in that and feel that power and just enjoy that. Just stay there. And this this is a moment where oh yay, my kid made a mistake. My kid is having a hard time, and I get to be the person to help them calm down. That's what's exciting about this. That's view it viewing it that way instead of oh gosh I have to go calm my kid down again, but viewing it as wow this is incredible how my child is their body is relaxing as I am hugging them this power is incredible we are connecting like all of that is just incredible and it's such a cool opportunity that as parents we get to be that person like. Really, not many other people can be that person for our children. You know, maybe when they're older and they have a partner, their partner can be that person for them. Maybe they can have a best friend who can be that person for them. But really, think about it. They don't, they don't get this person. You get to be that person. And that's just so incredible. It's so incredible. Oh, okay, I'm just, I'm just feeling so good about this as I'm just thinking about it. Now, this is not perfect. Again, I want to say that over and over because your child might cry for a long time when you go to give them the hug. They, they might be tense for a long time, especially if you're just starting to use this in your discipline. It might take them a while to, to let their shoulders drop, to let their breathing calm, but just stay in that hug if they're letting you, of course, of course, only if they're letting you and trust the process because it's going to calm you both down. It's beautiful. Okay. So now that you've done all that, You've rushed to give a hug, you've held your lectures back, you haven't, you haven't lectured, and you've stayed in that hug and felt that calm, now you can test the waters. So, does your child need to right or wrong? This is now the time to see if they're ready to talk about it. So if your child hit the cat, this is now the time to talk about it and ask how they can make the situation better. The time to talk about hitting the cat was not before the hug. Before the hug, your child would have been defensive or hurt or defiant because they would have felt bad. They would have known that they did something wrong and so they would have felt bad and then they would have disconnected from you and they wouldn't have known what to do with those disconnected feelings. But after the hug, after you've helped them calm down through that, that co-regulation, then they can hear you. Then they can problem solve. Then they can feel those repentant feelings and want to do better. And this works with big kids too, although sometimes it looks different. You can't, you can't always pull your big kid onto your lap or lift your big kid up into your arms to, to have them close to you. But this, this idea of going to them with a hug or some sort of physical connection 
it works with big kids. So the other day I was having an issue with one of my big kids and I was feeling pretty upset at their behavior and they were furious with me and letting me know. <laughs> so I was, I was really upset, but I remembered about the hug, but my big kid did not want me grabbing them into a hug. They were very clear about that. And their body language was very clear too. So I waited a while. They were in their room. They were laying in their bed. So I went in, asked if I could come in and asked if I could sit down on their bed and they, they were fine with it. So then I put my hand on their calf cause that's where, that's where I was and they were fine with it. And I was watching for signals. If, if they were not okay with this, I was not going to touch them. Okay. But they were fine with it. So then I stayed there and I told them I loved them and I could see that their, their breathing was beginning to slow and their face was softening. And so I felt like this is a good time to get closer. So I laid down next to them on the bed and asked them if that was okay. Can I be here? That's what I said. Is it okay if I'm here? And they told me that it was. So now (laughs) guess where we resolved this big issue that we were having. We resolved it right there as we were right next to each other. We had been trying to, to resolve it before we had been walking around the house, one of us stomping. It wasn't me this time. Sometimes it has been me, but this time it was just the kid. The big kid was slamming doors. I was trying not to lose it. We'd been, we'd been going around trying to solve this problem, trying to calm ourselves down. And we'd been doing it apart from each other, but we didn't resolve the issue until we were right there next to each other, until we were co-regulating and feeling each other's warmth and love. With my big kid, I often ask if it's okay for me to touch them. And I do this with my little kids too, but often my little kids are throwing themselves at me anyway. So it's, it's not as necessary. You know, they're, they're showing me clearly they, they want a hug. They want to be touched. They want to be in my arms. But big kids are different. And if my big kid ever tells me no, or my little kids, I, I don't push it. But I still stay close. So I might sit near them on the couch. I might pull up a chair to where they are. And eventually they'll calm down and let me near them. And that's always healing. And you know, like this, this is different every time. Sometimes they have to stomp away and be on their own. And then I come in and I do the connection. But when we are at the, at the point where we're trying to solve it, where, where we're going to have a conversation, no matter what, I'm, it always starts with a hug. It always starts with a physical connection in some way. So think back to how much you hugged your little kids, right? Like think back to how we, we soothed their owies. We, or we gave them a quick squeeze when we set them in their high chair. There was just so much time where physical space between us and our child was, was basically non-existent. There was no physical space between us. We were just like joined at the hip, right? But your big kid doesn't come to you in tears over scratched knees anymore. They don't hide behind your legs when they're nervous. They don't reach their arms up to be carried on a walk. They don't need you to buckle them into their seat or wipe their mouth, you know, so they're in their own little independent world. And so it can be really easy to forget to touch your child, to forget to hug your child when you get to this big kid stage. I never thought hugs would decrease, but it happens. It really, really happens. And so making a conscious effort to have more hugs in each day is really, really important when you have big kids because there's just not so many opportunities to, to just be touching them just because you need to help them. You know, like your, your three-year-old needs you to zip them up. So you're right there, you're zipping them up and you give them a kiss and then you go on your way. That just doesn't happen with your 13 and your 15 year old because there's not so much physical closeness. 
And so we forget that the big kids need those loves and hugs too. And in the discipline times is a good time to do that. Now, of course, reading their signals, always reading their signals and even asking like, is this okay? Because, because they have their own space and they need their autonomy, but trying to use closeness as your first step in your discipline is going to help you. Now, be sure to give this time with your little kids or your big kids. If this is new, or if you've tried hugging as your discipline before and it didn't work, stick it out. Trust the process. Keep thinking that you want to rush to connect with your child. Just say that in your mind, rush to connect. And then you're going to figure out how to be near and how to be close to help both of you connect through the current problem. And, you know, never feel bad if you don't feel like hugging because parenting pushes all sorts of buttons that we never knew we had. And this is not going to work every single time. You're not going to feel ready to hug every time there's an issue and that's okay. Just keep trying because eventually it's going to be easier most of the time. It is. I'm not, I'm not a hugger. I don't think about it, especially as my kids get older, like I already said, but this is now second nature to me. It is, it is the first thing I do before my, my body and my brain even know it's happening. I'm over there giving a kid a hug when they're mad about something. When my two little kids are fighting, I'm over there giving them a hug. That's, it's just second nature. And if it could happen for me, it can happen for anyone. So trust the process, keep trying, you can do it. But of course, there's still going to be times you don't want to, and you don't have to, like, this is not, this is not, uh, the way it has to be every single time. Just try to keep the hug as the first step in discipline most of the time. And not only will your child feel calm, you will be gifted with a super calm confidence about how to handle whatever parenting throws at you. And we know it's going to throw things at us that aren't in a book, aren't on a podcast. There's going to be things that come up that we do not know how to handle. And so that's why this connection is so important because the only way you're going to figure it out is by knowing your child. The only way you're going to figure it out is by being close to your child. And so starting with the hug and your discipline is going to put you in the position to be close, to know your child, to be ready to problem solve together, to be ready to, to solve whatever's going on alongside your child. So this is why I, I titled this, you should use hugs in your discipline. It's not how to use hugs in your discipline because you should should is, is, is what it is. And I'm not a huge believer in should for most everything, but I wish every parent knew the power of using hugs in your discipline, using hugs before you talk, using hugs before you punish, using hugs before you come up with any sort of solution. The hug is such a good first step to help you get to where you need to be with your child and to build your relationship, connect your relationship and help you feel confident, help you feel like you know what to do when things are so, so hard. I hope this has been helpful to you. I love that you're here. Thank you for the downloads. I can't wait till we get to 2000 and on and on and on. I'm so, so grateful to have you as part of my community. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for pausing and connecting with me today. Your support seriously means the world to me. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know I have countless other resources for you to find more connection in your motherhood and life. Head to my website, rebeccabrownwright.com to check out my blog, check out my back and forth journal for parents and kids, and take a look at Pause and Connect Academy where you can find courses to help you stop yelling, find your strengths, and finally get your kids to listen to you. 
As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a positive review, sharing it on social media, or sharing with your friends. I love you, and I want you to thrive in your motherhood and life. Thank you for being here. Now go forth and connect.